0: You are listening to Bedroom Confidence for Good Women, episode 27, and it was very good. This is the Intimacy Podcast, formerly known as Bedroom Confidence for Good Women. Welcome to Bedroom Confidence for Good Women, a podcast for my sisters who need some clean sex talk. It's all about real issues real answers, and real connection. I'm your host, certified sex coach instructor, Rhonda Farr. While this podcast is not rated explicit, some content may not be suitable for younger listeners. Hey there, sister. How have you been? I've been doing well. (laughs) Remember last week I was like tired and just over it. Well, I was still dealing with some of the things from the weekend and my kids were home and some other things on top of all that we had going on came up. And I did something really funny. I don't know if you know this about me, but I teach fitness classes a couple times a week. I love doing it. It's a lot of fun. Keeps me in fairly good shape. Although after you pass 40, it seems to take a little bit more effort. But anyway, I digress about that. Um, I was finishing up with one of my clients And I was trying to get to my group exercise class that I teach. And my husband called me. And he was like, oh, it's cold outside. You might want to put on a jacket. And we were discussing another obligation that we had to work out between the two of us. And I had my clothes that I was going to change into on the bed. So I was kind of doing that while I was talking. Put my sweatshirt on. like Ran out the door. So I get here. And I'm starting my class. Everybody's going, and I'll usually leave my sweatshirt on. Do you know where this is going? I usually leave my sweatshirt on for a little bit while we're getting warmed up because it's kind of cold in the room. And so we'd already done the warm up, and I was starting to get really hot, and I was like ready to take my shirt off, my sweatshirt, and just have my tank top on. Guess who did not have a shirt on underneath their sweatshirt? (laughs) Yes, it was me. Came in a sweatshirt, and no tank top, nothing underneath. So, luckily, one of the, actually two people, one of them was like, well, I got this long sleeve shirt, one of my class members, it's better than nothing, so I was like, yes, I will take it, I just need to finish this class, and then another lady over there, she's like, well, I got this uh, tank top in my gym bag, do you want to put it on, and so, that's what I ended up doing, but, yeah, so that's where my head's been lately, how's your week going compared to that, <laughs> you know those dreams where you're like, on stage in your underwear, It wasn't nearly that bad because these girls are like my friends. I love them. It's a big group of ladies usually. We have a couple men that join us occasionally, which is always really fun. You know I love my guys, but this time it was just a bunch of women. I just was like in the front of the room like, oh shoot, (laughs) I don't have a shirt on. Anyway, okay, I have a very fun interview today to share with you. We are talking to the author of the book and it was very good. You guys, I highly recommend this book. I have already recommended it to some of you, but it's basically a compilation of so much information that you would have to scour other books in the internet for to get all of it in one place. So it's a lot of good information and I even think it would be a great idea to read it with your partner. Super great idea. We're actually offering a free gift. Well, I'm not offering the free gift. The author of the book is. If you email him, which you'll learn more as you listen um, throughout the podcast, he'll tell you how to do that. And then at the end, I've included it again. But if you email him, he's going to send all of my listeners a free download of the book. So you can't miss this. You don't want to pass this up. So much good information. Without further ado, we'll go ahead and get into the interview, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the podcast today. We're so excited that you are here to talk about your new book, and I think that the listeners today are in for a treat based on what you have shared with me so far and what I have read. So can you go ahead and introduce your book to us and tell us a little bit about yourself and perhaps maybe why I don't know your name, <laughs> why yeah. I'm not introducing you by name today?
1: Uh, hi, Rhonda. Thanks so much for having me on the show. It's, uh, it's really exciting. Um, why don't you know my name? That's a really good question. So the book is written under the name Earthly Parents. And the reason I wrote it under that name was pretty simple. That's what my wife asked me to do. Yeah. My wife is fantastic. She edited the book um, and has been a real sport about um, something that she feels uncomfortable with, at least on a public setting, and it feels too exposing to her. And she said, there is definitely one um, one thing you have to do for me. <laughs> you are not going to put your name on that so that people at church look at me and think that they know what's going on with our sex life. Now, I I tried, <laughs> I, to, to my credit, um, you read the book, if you thought I did everything in the book, you would be wrong. I, I tried to make the book say, what people do in marriage and what can be done in the bedroom for somebody who's a, um, th- that that's possible, interesting, and not, and, and, and is in keeping with gospel principles. It's not, it's not any, not, it's not a window onto our sex life in the same way, but too exposing for her. So I'm going to honor her wishes. So I
0: think that's a smart man. <laughs> Good job for <laughs> that. And I wanna, I wanna interject something here. It's so funny you say that because. I had somebody approach me who is in my stake uh, and she was asking questions, very respectful, very kind, like, well, why did you decide to go into this? I can tell she thought it was a little strange. And she's like, well, what are people saying about you? And I was like, well, I don't really know. And then she had this funny look on her face. She's like, what are people saying about Jason? (laughs) Like people think that I'm like, I guess, racy or super sexual, hypersexual, I don't know. And I guess she thought that that meant my husband was like a super lucky guy or something. I don't know. But my thoughts were, I'm just the same as everybody else. I'm just trying to spread information here. So I can totally relate to what your wife was thinking about walking into sacrament meeting and all the thoughts people would have going on.
1: That's exactly it.
0: Totally, totally. So tell us about why you wrote this book. What's going on with that? We know why you are anonymous now, which I think um, is very understandable. Why did you guys decide to do this in the first place?
1: So I probably, so we have seven children um, and many of them at the time when I first started thinking about, you know, I should, I should write something up for them. And I'll, I'll explain why I would even think that in a second, but that was, that must have been 10 years ago when the oldest of them was still in high school. And um, I had read and felt as though I had been well-served by reading sex manuals before marriage. Uh, There was one or two on my parent's shelf. I climbed up to, I think it was, everything you wanted to know about sex, but we're afraid to ask, which isn't the greatest book, but it, it <laughs> told the basics. I mean, it, it, it like, oh, wow, that's, well, that's what's going to happen. Okay. Um, and helped me before puberty to know exactly what was going to happen. And then in, uh, there was, there was no real surprise other than the surprise of doing something that you've read about, which is very different from doing something that you had no idea was going to happen to you. And, um, generally a, Pleasant experience um, and uh, things that were would have been, I think, curveballs for most people. Um, and I know now are curveballs for most people were very much expected. Um, even things like uh, very commonly, I, I think, in our culture and um, just an expectation from the movies um, is that if you have uh, intercourse, that is going to be uh, is going to be uh, exciting and pleasurable for both parties, perhaps equally. Uh, that's what it looks like on the movie. Um, in the movies, no hands. Um, they both are uh, climaxing at the same time. Um, everything works, and Nothing's and that's messing, not at right? all. Yeah, that doesn't happen, <laughs> or at least it happens very short, very very seldom. Uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, I mean, one in six roughly, one in five roughly, women can have an orgasm without um, having any manual stimulation. And that's um, if if you think that that's the goal. And that if you don't hit that, you're somehow a poor lover or a uh, somehow a broken person, then that can be very distressing, obviously. And so knowing those things I found to be personally very helpful. So I wanted those things for my children. And I started looking around for different sex manuals that might tell the facts and the techniques that would be helpful to them. And basically um, the the things that are like an owner's manual to a car maybe, or something that really tells you, really these are the steps in cooking, as opposed to um, just a recipe, but somebody that really knows what they're doing and says says this is what you do. So it's all not a surprise you're able to figure it out and not be disturbed by things that don't work the way that you thought they would. Those books were sometimes great, like um, The Guide to Getting It On is a great book. It has all those details. But I'd say if, if you look at it, you're gonna feel uncomfortable, I think, as most members of the church would, by what are fairly explicit drawings, as an example, which can be useful, but for some people isn't going to be acceptable or make you feel all that comfortable handing them off to your your children, necessarily. So, like, uh, well, is there something that's a little bit better, the churchy kind of books? not very detailed, not very helpful. So I, I sat down, it was maybe 10 years ago, and, and started writing and I wrote one sentence and then put it away for about 10 years. <laughs> it was just, I, I didn't feel like, it was, like I had the right stuff or even the right get up and go to do it. And then last year, last summer, I saw um, a movie that is fantastic, probably not the movie you expect to hear when talking about a sex manual, But the movie was um, the Mr. Rogers documentary, but you haven't seen it.
0: I love Mr. Rogers. Yes.
1: Well, have you seen the documentary that was out uh, recently?
0: I have not seen it, but some of my fondest memories are sitting in front of Mr. Rogers. I remember his good touch, bad touch uh, episode that he had. And I don't know why that one stands out in my mind, but he was like one of my first teachers about our bodies. So, so interesting.
1: He's so fantastic. And one of the things that he said in the movie, in a home movie that he had made was he was playing the piano and he said, you know, if you move from the key of C to the key of F, it's easy. You just go C to F. That transition is simple. C to F and C to G also easy or D to G. These are simple movements to move from this key change to another key change. But if you try to move from C to the key of F sharp, that's not easy. You have to move. You have to go from C to a different key to a different key to a different key. And then finally you can get yourself to F sharp in a natural way. It's a, it's a difficult transition. And he said, he thought of himself as the role that he played was to make transitions, hard transitions in life easier for people. And I just sat there and thought, Oh my gosh, I know a very hard transition for a lot of people. And that's the transition from being, I want to say asexual, but pre-sexual Pre-marriage to being somehow fully sexual, which is not an easy transition for people that are in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and I just I I felt inspired. Um, I'm I'm not afraid of it. I thought I felt the Spirit to say you should write this, and so I, I I am just a father. I am not a background researcher in this. I've read books. I have a, some background in biomedicine, so I can research. Um, so I started researching and checked first, were there any books that did what I wanted for my kids? And the answer was no, still no. So I thought I could just start writing and did the research and started writing. And that's how the, I wrote the book. Um, and it was very good, which is intended to be a sex manual for Latter-day Saints.
0: Yeah, just by the way, quick interjection here for anybody who's listening who wants to download this book and have it for their personal use. I highly recommend it because what I said to our earthly parents, <laughs> that's the, the pen name we're going by here. What I said before we started recording was, as I read through, I can see so many different um, insights from all the teachers that I've actually learned from as well. I have a coaching background. I am a certified life coach, but I use those tools in conjunction with all the teachers and all the books. And I feel like what you've done is taken these mentors that I've had for a long time and compiled their information, insight, research, in a way that is all in one place. And it's super palatable. That's the best way I can explain it. It's like, as you go through, it's actually kind of fun to read what I've read of it so far. And it's more enjoyable, not just blah, 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 information, information. So yeah, I appreciate you did that. And what I was actually coming to say before I went off on a tangent is, we're gonna leave a link for you in the podcast description. So click on that. So all of our listeners can get their free download, correct?
1: That's right. And, awesome. Um- and i've included express legal permission to share the pdf with anyone i you can buy the book if you just like hard copies you can buy the book on amazon or barnes and noble i'm working on the uh audiobook right now if you like to pay money to get something and have something there that's fine but if you just want a book or if you know somebody who could use it you're saying well i know these people i don't think they really know what they're getting themselves into say an engaged couple or um or a newlywed couple or even a couple that's been around for a while as a couple these are all people that probably could use some additional information and when i say people really of all ages could use it i have had i've had multiple people that say that they have been married for 25 31 50 years and they learn new things from the book and that's not because i've discovered anything new it's because i just compiled all the latest information that's out there. And as you said, like, it sounds like what you hear from other people. That's exactly right. I did my homework.
0: <laughs> well, we appreciate you putting it all in one place. So it's easy for us to get to. I think that's amazing. And yeah, I totally believe you that there are people who've been married for years and years and years who have not really gone there and allowed themselves to be open enough to explore some of these things. Um, I, so I Thank you. I've already recommended this book to several of my clients. And one of the things I'll go ahead and give a little spoiler or a little teaser here. One of the things I really like about it is there are some specific action items. So it's not just sex is good. Sex is okay. This is what your body is. Information, information like there are very appropriate diagrams and very appropriate instructions for how to actually do things. Some of my clients have said to me, like, Rhonda, thank you for all this help with the mindset. I feel so much more open to my sexuality. I feel so much more desire than I've ever felt before. I want it. I'm ready to go get it. But I literally do not know how to do some of these actions right? And so they're like, and I'm afraid to look it up. And so they're asking me to walk them through step-by-step and I have a little bit at times, but that's not really my forte. And I feel like your book has done a great job of providing some of those hard details that we really want to put into action.
1: Well, we're, we're counseled and instructed as parents to be the primary source of sex education for our children and to give, give sex education respectfully, but frankly, and I took that frankly pretty seriously. I don't want my kids to have to go to see. Um, I don't want them to necessarily Google a lot of stuff. I, the stuff. You you can look it up, uh, but it's, it, it's 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 going to be one where you're you're going to see porn if you if you Google. That's just that's just going to happen. There's no <laughs> really no way around that. If you look up the subject matter, you're going to see that which you may not feel comfortable with and you might find to be distressing. You don't want to um, get nonsense information, which is everywhere. And you do want to understand what to do because otherwise some of these things, you just don't figure them out. It's, and I'll, I'll give you an example. If you as, if if you as a woman didn't, um, didn't find that you were able to orgasm for, Twenty years, uh, which I get people emailing me and saying that they've had this experience. Um, you are probably unaware that there is a treatment out there that is ninety-five percent success rate in clinical studies, um, and and that is directed self self stimulation, which is done by say at sex therapist, but you can just read and learn how to do it on yourself. You could involve your husband if that's what you wanted. I don't know what the success rate is there, but there is an A plus nearly perfect treatment uh behavioral therapy that's free that you can do but if you don't know that you don't know what to do and you're just kind of lost and i think you probably see this uh, as as uh, as a as a life coach um th- that when people have an experience sexually that's uh, not a good experience something that's distressing to them it's because they attribute some meaning to it like I I'll give you an example. I, I, I if if I as a man am not able to have an erection, does that mean that I'm no longer a man? Does it mean I no longer like my wife? Um, do I get up and avoid sex for the rest of you know several years? Because people do those things. It's because of the meaning they attribute to them. But if they just know what's going on and know what you might be able to do to uh to cure, sometimes very easily curable situations, then you just, it's, it's miserable. Uh, the, one of the things that Spencer W. Kimball had said was that when they went back and looked at divorces, they said the number one reason that they found for what I think were temple divorces at the time, otherwise I'm not sure why they would be looking at them, was that at the end it was differences in sexuality or sexual problems. They didn't come out, people didn't come out and say that, but that was what he said, even though they didn't come out and say that that was the problem. And it seems like you know, when you see people that are having having no problems, it's, you know, sexuality is not a big deal. But if you are having a problem, it is the number one most important problem in your life and it just dominates everything.
0: Yes, and it so, feels like your whole marriage is heavy and difficult. You said a few things that I want to kind of unpack a little bit here. Um, when you were talking about the number, I'll go back like to the beginning of something you said when we're talking about there is a cure for this, like this manual exploration and stimulation. I think those things are fantastic and they're great. The problem that I see with this, and I'd love to hear what you think about it is we're afraid to even open up and try them. So somebody's in essence saying, here's the prescription, take the medicine, do it. But I have so many clients who come to me who feel like it's shameful. It's wrong. Some of them even feel like it's selfish to want pleasure from sexual intercourse. Like, it's a whole mindset um, issue underneath it all, oftentimes based on a very conservative culture that they've grown up in. Is that something that you've seen or something that you considered as you were writing the book?
1: Well, I, I, I was writing it primarily to my own kids as the audience, and I wasn't as concerned about them. But in the course of writing, and I thought, this could be something that could be useful to more people, um, than just my own YSA kids or, or, um, older teens. And so I did a survey on the, what is now I think called the celestial marriage bed, um, Facebook group. Um, and, and asked people to, to say, one of the things I asked them to do is to to tell me what happened in, um, on the honeymoon. Was there anything that was a surprise to you? Was it what you expected? Was there something that you wish you had known that you did not know at the time? And that I think all has bearing onto the question you, you ask about how that kind of permission structure or whether or not we can feel okay about being sexual. Um, that, that all kind of relates to it because the experiences that they had were, were pretty bad to be honest. And there were nothing at all that I wanted for my own daughters or my own sons. These experiences were, and there was one after another of these, of I didn't know anything about my own body if they were a woman. I didn't know anything about a woman's body if I were a man. So it's just general ignorance of what it takes to make, uh, to make for a pleasurable sexual experience for the woman man fine i mean it's you know it's they already kind of know their own bodies almost everybody uh, that's male masturbates at some point um even if they feel feel very guilty about it they've done it so they're just kind of ready for the next step but many of the women um haven't and so don't even know what touches they like they certainly don't know that they need to have say uh, you know this is round numbers at 20 minutes of non-genital touch before 20 minutes of directed clitoral or very close to the clitoris touch to to get um, to get ready or really interested or have your body kind of primed to have intercourse you don't know anything about lube oh, there's so many people that just were like if I'd only known about Lube then our honeymoon wouldn't have been tears and blood um, which is uh, a lot of them um, and they they didn't know that it was going to be uh, I mean intercourse is it is primarily a it's a male centered act, and a lot of, for a lot of people, it's exciting for a man. It's it's um, um, and it's it can be very pleasurable for a woman, but it's not typically how a woman is going to have an orgasm. So if if that is in the works, you that isn't what you do and what um, honeymoon night is i mean you think well we we we're, we're having sex i mean that's of course we're having that but that's these these experiences one after another you 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 hear about them you hear that people have all of these issues and on top of that something that is um true of most um most conservative religions as i read about it um true of us also is that there's a sense that uh Especially that virtue is kind of tied up in being asexual. Like if I deny my sexuality, that's more virtuous or pure than being sexual and embracing it. And my purity is defined also by virginity. And my purity is also defined by um, avoiding sexuality, avoiding sexual sins, which that it's usually described as everything you could do <laughs> before you're married sexually um so it, it's it's not setting people up to be pleasurable and that transition from uh sex as sin to sex as spiritual it, it it's it's a hard one it's a hard one for for most um for most uh, couples, it sounds like at least most of the couples that responded to the survey, or at least many couples, and I, I think this also goes along with what Jennifer Finlayson Five uh, found in her own um, in her own thesis. She reviewed the book also before the um, before it was published, so it was it was helpful to get her review uh, on this. But that that's what she found, and that's what I've heard in my survey, and I didn't want that for my kids.
0: Yeah, I think you are right on with that. What I find with my clients, and I kind of already knew this before I even started doing this work, but we often gain our belief system when we're in the years of adolescence. And if we think about adolescence, the messaging that we're being taught by our leaders, by many parents, sounds like you did a better job with your kids, and I'm trying to do a better job with my kids as well. But overall, those are the years that we are being told no. Don't touch, don't think, don't do, just suppress, suppress, suppress. And of course, we're going to come out of that. I'm sure you heard many people say this too. It's like an absolute emphatic no. And then you walk out of the temple and it's like this green light and it's an absolute emphatic yes, now do it. And you're like, wait, what happened here? I intellectually hear what you're saying, but mentally I cannot just flip that switch for a lot of women. And so they're kind of stuck in their old belief systems from the messaging they acquired during their adolescence.
1: That's right. And um, I don't want to pat myself on the back too much. I can't feel as though I really taught my kids hugely well about sex um, before this point. I mean, I wrote the book in part also because I, I felt I hadn't done a good enough job. And so <laughs> a little bit of penance there for me. Uh, th- that idea of We repress it, and then we're sexual suddenly in in marriage. I did get a few men that said that it was hard for them, but for most men, it sounds like, and um, I think that this probably goes with most people's anecdotal um, experiences, that their bodies just carry them through it, right? They may have some other sexual issues, like being sexually secretive because they've been masturbating or, or looking at porn, and they've kind of developed those habits or more compulsive about sex. but The idea of shutting down completely—that's something that uh, is not as doesn't seem to be as much a problem for males. Um, For women, their body doesn't um, as easily carry them through. They can't just rely on their body to override their brain. Um, Orgasm is a is a learned experience for many women, and so rather than something that happens to them, it's something they have to encourage and and focus on and. Learn how to do, and if you're in a if you're in a state of worrying that you're not being wholesome, that's that's hard to let whatever your sexuality kind of wants, um, what images they want to think it wants to think about, what um, uh, what things it wants to do. Um, like it's hard to let those free and discover what those are in the first place if man, I don't know if any of this is right. If like you're self-censoring a lot on a lot of that, that that's, that's, and also when you're, we also know that, that if, you're, if you're more, um, it, it turns out that more religious, uh, the more religious that one is, it also can, can make it um, more likely to have uh, pain during a um, uh, first intercourse. So that kind of tenseness of, um, I'm not sure if this is right, um, then ha- is a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. I found that with my clients as well. I think what you said too, I want to go back to when you said how we assign meaning meaning to things and then that just kind of distorts or um, changes the lens through which we see our sexuality as well. Like if our first experience is painful Or if we are not able to reach climax or maybe for the men, like you said, they're having some problems. Like I've even had male clients who say they feel guilty about the desire they feel for their wives sometimes Mm -hmm. when their wives don't want it. And then they assign meaning to all these things, which make them feel broken, which make them feel fundamentally wrong. And so that just exacerbates the problem. It's almost like we're piling guilt on top of shame on top of brokenness. And then we, we've just got this pile of things by the time they get to me that we kind of just have to peel off layer by layer because they've been beating themselves up for so long over all these, because of what you said, the meaning they assign to these factual things that if they just knew we could just deal with it and move on and not make it a part of our ongoing relationship.
1: That's right, and I I think it's probably worth even saying some of the things that are huge problems for people um, in sexuality that are super easy to fix, either in weeks or months of behavioral therapy or sometimes a pill. So some many pills work. If you have erectile dysfunction, super easy to fix in most cases. If it's a very serious case where there's more medically going on, then it's harder. If you have premature ejaculation, which um, is there are two super easy fixes. The first easy fix is to tell someone premature ejaculation requires that you ejaculate within five minutes, within five minutes, you know, uh, or excuse me, you have to do it within two minutes. I think as, as a definition, but five minutes is normal. So you have to ejaculate within two minutes and you didn't want to of 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 vaginal penetration. So fix one is telling people, it has to be within two minutes to count and you go, well, maybe I'm not broken. Maybe I'm actually just normal. The other fix is, is also um, has a very high success rate, um, takes a few more months, and, and uh, those I just detailed in the book, but you can look them up anywhere. The start-stop technique and the, um, and the squeeze technique are have very high success rates. They work and they're free. You can just do them. And there are other tricks to get around them, uh, uh, to, to get around um, the, the problem of premature ejaculation, which is the most common complaint, sexual complaint of men. Uh, even before erectile dysfunction, and then, as I mentioned, um, uh, uh, women that don't um, haven't yet learned the trick of orgasm, it is so solvable.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Just have to figure it out and take the time. And I'll go back to my mindset plug here too. I think being in that mental space to be able to accept that this is solvable and be able to explore and figure it out, feeling comfortable enough and relaxed enough to do the work to figure it out.
1: That's right, and and that's uh, there, there's definitely um, uh, evidentiary basis for relaxing, and yeah. relaxing helps for, I think, for every one of those situations we just named, <laughs> yep. All so over.
0: just take a pill and chill, right? <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> uh, chill at least.
0: I kid, I kid. One more thing I wanted to say when you were talking about how you knows it, um, it was the Spencer W. Qu- Kimball research, correct me when I'm saying this wrong, because that, that's the first time I ever heard of this actually, but it sparked a thought in me. Um, Jennifer Finlayson Fife talks about how when there's mismatched desire and typically when this type of situation leads to divorce, mm-hmm. often anyway, it's a case of a very mismatched desire in the marriage, sexual desire. So what she says about it is, in these cases, really, it's one person is gaining way more pleasure than the other, or the desire wouldn't be such a stark contrast. And so I feel like what you're saying, these things that have these easy fixes, if we can really get everybody to believe this, to know that they are not broken, that yes, even you listening today, you can solve this and come together and balance each other out. Like it doesn't have to be this super hot button topic where you're on opposite ends of the spectrum. If we can figure out how to have both partners enjoying and finding pleasure, that's where we can meet together in the middle. And I like to tell my clients, even while you're figuring out how to connect, you connect through the figuring out and exploration part. Like it can be fun and exciting. If you will open up and even go there to try
1: That's right, and orgasms begat orgasms people when they have them then it becomes uh, easier to have more
0: yeah it's a learned it's a learned skill what you're saying
1: it is I, I think also one one thought I, yes you will align I, I I believe without evidence I believe without evidence that you you would know better than I that you will align desires more um, uh, as you simply become closer together or become Basically, better at 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 um, at love making, but there's all there are also skill sets to learn about natural differences in desire. So, if you at least know that a difference in desire is perfectly normal, expected, uh, then you're going to treat it differently from a meaning of does this person really love me as much as I love them?
0: Oh yes, yes. I mean, I've gone through that in my own marriage when. Beginning of my own marriage, when my husband and I would be mismatched. And by the way, sometimes it's me, sometimes it's him. I don't want to throw out the stereotypes. I know we have this idea that it's always men with the higher desire, but I have women a lot of times contact me and say, Hey, it's me with the high desire. And I just feel so alone in this because Mm -hmm. everybody's acting like my husband should be a sex craze maniac around me. And he's not. I want you sisters to know you are not alone. Sometimes it happens that way.
1: Well, I'm I'm sure that you're more aware than I am of what kind of pathologies people have when they when they are they're they're not being really the best people, <laughs> and so they're either encouraging their desire or 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 damping down their own desire as kind of a weapon. Like th- that's one class I'm not kind of touching right now. But if it's if it's just I am just me and I'm and I have a different desire from my partner who is just being themselves then what do we do? And and there is probably a way to think about it that's helpful. And there's an analogy that I draw in the book um, that I, I think applies and makes it seem much more normal. When we think about whether we're hungry for food, we don't get mad if our spouse isn't hungry right now. That's, they're just not hungry right now. Or if I like sushi, And my wife doesn't like sushi. I'm not mad at my wife for not liking sushi. She just doesn't like sushi. And thinking about a lot of sexual hunger, similar to how we think of food hunger, well, we know how to deal with food hunger and we've been dealing with that our whole lives. It it doesn't mean anything necessarily. It could just mean we're not hungry or we are hungry or we like that food or we don't like that food. And that's all okay. That's all okay. And once once you realize that that's all okay, I think that the the meanings that we attach to it that are destructive um, just fall away.
0: Yeah. I like that a lot. So we're just normalizing. Sometimes we're hungry. Sometimes we're not. Sometimes we like this. And you know what? There've been times in my life that I've really liked food and then I've developed an aversion to that particular food. And, and that's okay. It doesn't mean anything. I love to tell my clients, even though I know it's still hurtful. Like if you have a a higher desire and you, your spouse is not engaging at all. I mean, that's hard, no doubt because we have those desires and feelings, but I love to remind them like this really isn't about you being sexy enough or pretty enough or whatever. It's just about their taste. And, you know, to use your food analogy, it's about them. It's always about them, even though, you know, that's not always what they want to hear. it's true. It it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with them when their spouse doesn't have the same libido.
1: No. In fact, it would be essentially impossible to have the same libido. Just expect it. Expect that there will be differences.
0: Yeah, exactly. Just appreciate the differences when they come. And I even think we should expect them to flip-flop sometimes. Like I said, in my own marriage, there have been times that it's been him and times that it's been me and you know what? That's okay. We've learned to deal with it and we're okay with it. But I think the difference between some of my listeners and your readers of the book and you and I is we've actually done the work and tried to figure these things out. Oftentimes I see people are like, oh, my sex life is just hard. And this is just the way it is in my marriage. And what I say to them is a healthy, happy, enjoyable sex life does not fall into your lap. (laughs) You have to create it.
1: You have to create it. And, and one of the things I learned in the course of writing the book is even if you feel like your sex life is pretty good, you know, you've gotten into a rhythm. This is what I like. This is what my wife likes. This is what my spouse likes, my, what my husband likes. Like we know what we each other, we know what we like. So we just kind of do what we like all the time. It turns out that there's also, um, th- I mean, that's all very good, but our bodies are wired for, uh, to like, sexual novelty. Also, it gives us an extra chemical boost from dopamine. When we learn something new, especially in a sexual situation, we learn anything new, we get dopamine. And, uh, and that, that's something that we then seek if, if it's in a sexual situation, even more so. So some, one of the things that I felt in the course of writing this book was, oh my gosh, like I'm a pretty i I can be a pretty structured person about the things I like. I eat at the same restaurant for months and months or years at a time but in the bedroom i probably should i should be trying to find some more avenues for novelty and for uh, i'm I'm not looking for you know something that would um be contrary to the gospel but different positions or different sexual acts that maybe I haven't tried before or be more open to, to sexual acts that maybe my wife would be interested in. Those are things that I've changed and learned in the course of writing the book that are important that I didn't recognize as being as important um, uh, before.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I see a lot of resistance to these things with my sisters who I work with because they somehow feel like what you said, that it goes against their purity, their virtue, their worth. And I just want to tell all of you listening right now, you are of 100% worth, even if you have this voracious sex drive. And you're of a 100% worth if you don't. But it's righteous and good for you to take your marriage to the next level. I just, I can't reiterate that enough.
1: That's right, and giving ourselves the permission to be be very very sexual is that that's just fulfilling what God has set us here to do i mean it's not we haven't just been suggested that we are it's okay to have sex; we have been commanded. it was like commandment number one um, so why don't we figure out this thing that we've been given as a gift and and learn what it likes and Share it with our spouses and have a great time. I mean, it's <laughs> it's all wonderful. um and, and uh, it is very good
0: <laughs> it and it was very good. That's right. That's the name of the book. Did we mention that in the beginning? I think I did.
1: Oh, well, we mentioned it from time to time. And I realized as I was doing it that every time I hear like a talk show, they they mention it so many times it drives me nuts. So I thought, I'm just gonna we'll just talk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll just talk about it. Well, I so appreciate your time. It has been very insightful for me to hear some of the things that you've learned through your research. Is there anything else that you'd like to add on? Any fun stories from the books? Any fun facts that you'd like to add on as we close?
1: Oh, I'm I'm going to say uh, some of the things because I make the book for free. I, I do get people emailing me at earthlyparents at gmail.com to ask for the book. And some of the stories are just they're just precious. Um, I had, um, I'll, I'll name two. One was a a person in Tahiti, um, a sister in Tahiti who said they get practically no sex education at all. And this is basically it, which like, what a responsibility, first of all, but oh, I'm so glad. I'm just so glad that they have something, that she has something and hopefully shares with others. And then the other one, I guess it's both the Pacific. Uh, This was one, a sister from Hawaii, who thanked me for the book um, and said, you'll laugh, but I've been widowed for 10 years, and I'm 80 years old, and I'm getting remarried in the Hawaii temple, and I want to share this with my to-be-husband. It's just, isn't that precious?
0: Yes, go sister. You got this. I love that.
1: (laughs) So... um, Please, if you if you if you read the book and you think, wow, this could be useful, uh, so many people's lives seem like they're just tied up in in pain because they're they're just like two logs in a fire, a little bit too far apart. If they could just be mm, nudged a tiny bit closer together, then they kind of burst into flame. And if you know people that could use the book, I mean, read the book and see if you think I just. Said something that's nonsense. I frame it in gospel principles, um, in the ones that I felt comfortable with telling my own children. But I'm just a dad. Maybe I got it wrong. And maybe you need to tell someone, you know, I like six of these things, but not the seventh. F- fine. But if they need something, they're not the people that usually are out looking for it. Yeah. So please, please share it. It's a great price of free just give it to them. It's free. I
0: love it. And if we want to buy the hard copy and put it on the top shelf so our kids can climb up and read it like you did (laughs) with your book, that's available too?
1: Yes. uh, So you can get it at Amazon or at Barnes and Noble. Just look up And It Was Very Good. And you can put in Earthly Parents if you don't uh, see it immediately.
0: All right, sisters, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast interview with the author of And It Was Very Good. If you'd like to request your free copy of the book, which I highly recommend, please email earthlyparents at gmail.com, and they will send that right out to you. It's a free download, so you can just put it on your computer. You will not have to order it in the mail. Your kids won't see it lying around on your nightstand. Uh, I had, think it's full of great resources, so I highly recommend you maybe even read it with your partner. I think that would be a fantastic idea. I want you to go forward with confidence that you can figure these things out. I want you to go forward with confidence this week that you are not alone. We all struggle from time to time, myself included, even your neighbor who seems like she's got it all together. A great sex life doesn't just fall into our laps. It requires effort and work. It requires thought and practice so just move forward with confidence. You totally got this. If you need a little bit of help, I'm always here for you. I'm working with more and more clients these days. Even started working with couples occasionally. So if that's something that you're interested in, perhaps you've even reached out to me in the past before I started doing couples work, and you're interested in it now, make sure you email me at coachwithronda at or as always, go to rondafar.com and scroll down to the bottom of the page, click on talk to me, and get on my schedule for your free consultation call. All right, guys, I'll talk to you next week.